I just have to say this. It goes uh, kind of without saying that. Um, and I'm talking about some of the guys here today, not any of you ladies, but some of the guys look better today uh, looking out there. I don't know what it is. Maybe it's, yeah, Kevin, you look much handsomer. Oh, no, there it is. So, <laughs> I, I've been waiting in line, and the the line had advanced slowly. And uh, if, you, if you know anything about me, and if you don't know this, my wife will... will uh, second this or third this even, that I, I'm not very patient. I don't like waiting, and I don't like waiting lines. But but I've been waiting in line, and I would say somewhat patiently, uh, at least for me, and I, I, I was was there. I My turn had finally arrived. I was the next person in line, and that's when I that's when I saw him. Caught him out of the corner of my eye, this guy walking through this other section, uh, just kind of leisure, like he had no care in the world. He was the only one in that line, and he just walked kind of casually, leisurely uh, uh, up. I looked at the the agent that was that I thought was going to motion me to come forward, and in fact, I had already started to take the step forward when he glanced over, saw this guy walking leisurely, looked at me, and then looked at him and motioned him to come forward. See, it, it, this happened last October. I was in El Paso to take the pictures for our Operation Christmas Child. And uh, when I left to fly home on Thursday morning, I had about, I think it was a 6.30 a.m. flight, and, and I had arrived at the airport in plenty of time. I got at the airport about 5.30. I parked my rent-a-car. In fact, I was so early, the rent-a-car place was not even open yet. So I just parked the car, figured that's what you do, parked the car, and headed on in, went in, printed off my boarding pass, made my way through the, the first TSA checkpoint and was l- waiting in line for the second one where, where you got to go. In fact, this time, I, I didn't have to wait long. They, they motioned me in, and I'm literally getting ready to take my stuff through the, uh, through the x-ray machine. I, I won't illustrate this, but I pulled my belt off. I'd reached in my pockets. And I'd thrown the contents of my pockets into the tub there. And when I did, I looked away and I noticed a set of keys. Now, it wasn't this set of keys, but I noticed a set of keys. And for a second, I thought, why did I have keys in my pocket? And then it hit me. I knew where those keys belonged. Back in the rent-a-car, uh, back in the the garage next to the airport and I didn't know what to do. I'm like, uh, I'm sure they penalize you if you take their, their car keys. And, and so I, I said to one of the agents and I looked at my watch and I thought, I'm still good on time. I said something to the agent. I said, Hey, can I, uh, what do I do? I, I have my car keys. He said, just go back out and you'll have to come back in. So, so I, I hustled out, put the keys back in the car, still no one there and came back in. Now my time was getting a little bit tighter. Uh, I, I still was going to be okay, but I was just getting a little bit nervous. And this is when I wound myself through the line. I was next in line. I already had my belt unbuckled. I was ready to go. My hand was in my pocket to throw the keyless contents into the tub when the guy came through the other side and was motioned forward. See, what that guy had, and if, if, if you travel, you know what it was. If you don't, let me explain it to you. That guy had a boarding pass that had this little thing on the top corner that said TSA uh, pre-approved or pre, pre-checked. Ah, he had access that I didn't have. Hebrews, um, 
has been talking about uh, in several different cases, in several different ways. In fact, we talked again about it last uh, last week. Hebrews has been telling us about access. Because of Jesus, what Jesus did, because he offered his blood once and for all, we have an access to God. We don't have to go, and, and the, the, the recipients, the Jews that were listening that day, would have understood this succinctly. We don't have to go through a high priest. We don't have to go through someone else. We have access. We have access through Jesus. So last week we started looking in Hebrews chapter 10. If you have your Bibles, turn there uh, with me, if you will. Hebrews chapter 10, we'll look, starting with verse 19. We, we started uh, looking at a series of statements that the writer makes. All the statements start like this. Let us. Let us. Last week we looked at the first two. He first said, let us have optimism. Optimism that we can, that we can approach God and optimism because of. We have optimism because Jesus went to the cross and his blood was sacrificed for us. Then, then we see a second in verse 23, a second let us statement and, and that is let us hang on. Let us hang on to our hope and, and then let us hang on to the hope, which is is the blood of Jesus, the fact that he took care of us. And then this morning, we'll look at the last three let us statements in this text. So if you have your Bibles, turn with me to Hebrews 10, uh, follow along with verse 19 through 25. Therefore, brothers, since we have confidence to enter the most holy place by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way opened for us through the curtain, that is, his body. And since we have a great high priest over the house of God, let us, and this was the first one from last week, let us draw near to God with a sincere heart and full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled to cleanse us from a guilty conscience and having our bodies washed with pure water. Here's the second one. And let us hold, and I love this word, pointed this out last week, let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess. For he who promised is faithful. Now we'll see what we're going to look at today. And let us consider how we may spur one another on towards love and good deeds. Let us not give up meeting together as some in the habit uh, are in the habit of doing, but let us encourage one another and all the more as you see the day approaching. Let us. Here's, here's the first one, verse 24. Uh, he, he says, let us consider how to spur one another towards love and good weeks. Let us, let us help out. Now, I want you to remember this morning uh, that, that all of this comes. So everything we're going to see moving forward. In fact, the next three uh, are a little bit different than the first two. All of this comes from the backdrop of having access to God. That's what he had said. We have confidence to enter the, the most holy place and, and we can go directly to God. So it all comes from the backdrop of having access to God. And if we have access to God, then we can know his heart. We, we can know God's heart. We can know who he is. And if we can know his heart, then we can know what he desires for us. We can know what he wants us to do. Uh, do did you see there what it said about his desire, his heart for us? Did, did you notice at the end of verse 24, it says, spur one another on towards what? Towards love, 
and good deeds. When you look at Jesus' life, when you examine Jesus' life, you, you see it, and I'm, I'm being kind of simplistic here, but you see it characterized by, by really two different facets, two different characteristics that you see basically throughout his three years of ministry. One of those is is his teaching, obviously. Uh, we, we have great passages of Jesus' teaching. We, we see passages like Matthew 5, 6, and 7, the Sermon on the Mount. We see we see parables over and over again uh, that Jesus gave as as stories to teach a a truth. And in fact, when Jesus fed the five thousand, the reason he fed them was because they had been all day sitting on a hillside listening to Jesus teach. So so one aspect of Jesus' ministry was his teaching. Now now we, we're we're told from Scripture that Jesus' teaching was different than than what any one of them had heard before. He he taught like one who had authority. Well, duh, he did. But but they never heard anyone teach like that. Particularly some some guy from Galilee who was the the son of a carpenter. He taught with authority and he taught with passion. So so one aspect of Jesus' life. So when you read the Gospels, that's what comes out. You you see Jesus teaching. Valuable, important for us to know. What's the second aspect? Of Jesus' life. What's the second thing you really see from his life? It, it came out of his teaching, but it was simply this, his love and his good deeds. It was what he did. You can't deny that aspect of his life. He healed people like the, the leper, the uh, quadriplegic, the blind. He noticed people, particularly he noticed people that other people didn't give the time of day to. He noticed the woman at the well where when everyone else would have ignored her, Jesus sat down and entered into dialogue with her. He noticed people like Zacchaeus. Zacchaeus was a short little guy, but but that really isn't why he wouldn't have noticed him. He wouldn't have noticed him because he was a tax collector. And, and he was up in a tree, so Jesus could have easily passed him by. And yet Jesus noticed Zacchaeus and said, hey, Zacchaeus, come down. Not only that, I'm going to go to your house and you're going to give me a meal. He noticed Bartimaeus. Bartimaeus was hollering out to Jesus, and uh, everyone rebuked him. Be quiet. He doesn't have time for you. But Jesus heard him. Jesus noticed the little kids. The, the disciples rebuked the, the mothers, but Jesus said, hey, bring them to me. See, Jesus, Jesus was known by his love and his good deeds. And we are called, we are called, to spur one another onto love and good deeds. So, so let us spur one another. The, the Greek word for spur there means, now catch this, it means spur. <laughs> uh, so it does mean to spur, but, but what, what are some other words? It means to entice. It means to invite. It means to stimulate. So, so there's a, a few different ways that we can Take this idea of spur. So, so spur, first of all, spur is to push. So when you spur someone on, you push them on. Because we have access to God and we know his heart, we know what his desire is for us. One of the things that we're called to do, scripture says this for us to do is we are to spur, push one another on to good deeds. In other words, church, what that's calling us to do, and this may not be comfortable for a lot of us, it's not natural, but it's what scripture tells us to do. 
We are called to be proactive in, in pushing other people to do what God has called us to do or to do what God has called them to do or to do what God has gifted them to do. Let me, let me illustrate it a couple ways. Uh, about four years ago, I, uh, and there's lots of words you can use here. I, you can use the word spurred or you can use the word pushed or you can use the word harassed. But, but about four years ago, I began to spur Andrea on to be a Casas per Cristo intern. Uh, I started the second day we were in Mexico and it continued for a couple of years till, till, till she finally, you know, I thought that was the only way she could get me, she could get me to shut up was to do it. But, but, but I, I saw, I saw something in her. I saw something that I thought she could do for the kingdom that, that she was gifted for that would make a difference. And so, uh, and, and I don't want to pat myself on the back here, but I was, I was doing what the scripture says here. I was spurring her on. I, of course, I was doing some, wanting her to do something that I wouldn't do, but I was spurring her on, uh, to do that. D- Dudley Rutherford is a pastor, uh, in California. In fact, he pastors a church of several thousand in Southern California. Um, he was a, a classmate of mine and, and in one of his books, he tells the story about, uh, his grandfather. And he said that his grandma, his great grandmother had, had from the time that his grandfather was a little boy had told him, you're going to be a preacher someday. And when the boy was little, he thought that was fine. And that was kind of cool that grandma, that, that his mother was saying that. But, but as he got older and his interest turned a different direction, it began to bug him. But, but every chance he got, his mother would say to Dudley's grandfather, you're going to be a preacher someday. And, and there was a problem with that because he didn't want to be a preacher. In fact, he went to college to be an engineer. And, and, and so, so he was going a whole different direction. But every chance she got, she would remind him, son, I believe that you're going to be a preacher someday. And in fact, his sophomore or junior year in college, the, her son brought home, uh, his girlfriend, first time to meet, to, to meet mom. And, and, and they were there. He had introduced her. They were talking a little bit. And, and he said, uh, Dudley says, uh, his grandfather was embarrassed because his mom looked at his new girlfriend, which eventually became his wife. She, she looked at her and said, Hey, did my son tell you that he's going to be a preacher someday? <laughs> uh, Dudley goes on to say after they got married and started a family and became an engineer, he went to a small little church in, in, in rural Kansas. And, and one Sunday, the minister, was sick and couldn't be there. And so his grandfather got up and hurriedly, like Jared just did with meditation, hurriedly threw together a sermon and preached a, a short 10-minute sermon. The the illness that ha- had kept the pastor away that Sunday kept him away for several more. And, and eventually he had to retire. And Dudley's grandfather began to fill in every Sunday, uh, every Sunday, and eventually became the pastor of that church. It was because his mom, in part because his mom spurred him, pushed him. See, we're, we're called to spur one another, to push one another onto love and good weeks. Spur, spur means to push, but spur could also have this idea. It's a little bit different. They're, they're, it's tied together, but a little bit different. Spur can mean to promote. See, spurring is to, is to promote. Uh, let me, let me ask. I, we don't have a lot here, but if you're at home, you can raise your hand. How many guys, uh, and I'm sure some of the ladies did as well, but how many of you guys carved the turkey, uh, on Thursday? Do we have any turkey carvers here? Okay. Dan, I'm sure you did a whole lot better job than I do, but, 
But but I carved, we just had a turkey breast on Thursday, but I carved that turkey breast. And and this is the way it is every time I carve a turkey. I, I, I take that little pointed fork out, that big one that Rita hands me, and I take out this sharp knife, and, and I cut the first slice or so off each side of the breast, and, man, it looks good. It's uh it's cut nice and it's a nice fat piece of meat and it still has the golden brown skin on it. And I take that and I lay it on the serving platter and then I do it on the other side. And, and usually I'm able to get one more cut that looks like, like it should go in a picture. And I lay it on the serving table, uh, platter and then, then after that it just becomes garbage. I mean it, I cut and then I grab and toss on the plate and, and it look, oh, it is a mess. But, 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 but that first couple pieces, that first slice, I lay the, now the problem is I'm not smart. I, I lay that and then I cover it up with all the other stuff. So no one sees that pretty piece till, till they work their way down to the bottom, uh, uh, of the, of the turkey. But we are to promote Spurring is promoting. So, so in essence, church, what we're called to do is to, is to make service look good, look inviting. Now, I don't, I don't mean to do it in a false way. I'm, I'm not saying we, we bait and switch. We're like, oh, Sunday school, you're going to love being a Sunday school teacher. I mean, kids are so appreciative. It's going to be great. Uh, I don't mean to be false about it, but, but that we, Make sure people see the beauty in loving and good deeds, the beauty in serving. Uh, and, and finally, to, to spur is to provoke. Now, all three of these are tied together. They're kind of interwoven. They're really, you can't hardly separate them from one another. But the reality is that spur means that, that people see what we are doing and are moved to react the same way. See, it's not just me telling someone to do. Now, that is part of spurring on. I can suggest to someone else to do it. That, that, that's, that's fine. It's, I can, I can paint the picture good and let them know how blessed they're going to be or how much a blessing they will be if they do it. That, that's right too. But, but the real way that it means there. So when we're called to spur one another on, the, 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 the real idea is that I do it. And when I do it, that spurs someone else. That encourages someone else. It was 23 years ago, uh, 23 and a half years ago, I guess. And I, I just with a group of, of the members at Rushville Christian Church had just got back from Mexico. It was our first mission trip. First time any of us had been on a mission trip, been out of the country to do that. And, and it was Sunday morning, and I was supposed to preach. And let me just put it this way. I didn't have a sermon. And Jared, I knew all week I was supposed to preach. And and, and I thought, well, I'm in Mexico. I'll, I'll write my sermon while I'm there. <laughs> you know, it just gets a little busy when you're there. And and, and I didn't get, get it done. And I thought, well, last minute when we get home, I can throw something together. And it just didn't happen. I had about I had about two minutes worth of stuff. And I was, some of you are thinking, that would be great, Tim, two minutes. But uh, uh but but I didn't have a sermon, so kind of last minute, uh, last minute thought. I said to some of the people that had went on the trip, "Hey, w- would you get up and tell about the trip? Would you, would you kind of talk about what what happened this week and and tell others what what impact it had?" Well, it uh, it, it turned out that I, I learned a lesson there. Sometimes sometimes the the greatest 
encouragement can be when people see us serving. Uh, and, and that's why I continue to do that, is have people get up and talk about what God did through them. I mean, a couple of years ago when Bree got up and said, I hated it. It was terrible. It was hot. And I might go back. <laughs> she, she had a, a, a hint of encouragement there. But, but when you, when you talk about what God does, when you love and do good deeds, when people see it in you, that is what really spurs people on. So he, he goes on in verse 25, he says, gives us another let us. Let us not give up meeting together as some in the habit, uh, are in the habit of doing. Now, uh, nine months ago, I would have preached this passage differently. Nine months from now, I hope that I can revisit this passage and preach it differently than I'm going to preach it today. But for, for now, for now, I have to come up with a creative way to, to make this verse apply. Let us not give up meeting together. Here we are in the, uh, and we've been in the middle of a pandemic, pandemic for nine months, but let's just be honest. Uh, uh, we've been on the sidelines for, for most of that time. We, we've been looking from afar and, and like, wow, that's terrible. And, and let's just be honest. It's, it's come close to home. Uh, we have several people here today that have, gone through the fire and survived, and several others that are at home. And thank you, Case. He was our first. Everyone likes to be the first at something, right, Case? And uh, we've got others that are home today. Some of them are recovering well. Some of them aren't feeling too good. Others that are, are quarantined because of contact. And, and, and we just live suddenly in the last two weeks in Donovan County. We live in a different world than even what we've been living in the last few months. And so <laughs> what what does it mean when he says, let us not give up meeting together? When, when for so many of us, rightly so, for so many of us, the right thing to do, the appropriate thing to do is to, is to, to not be here, to stay home, to, to separate, to, uh, to be away for their health and their protection as well as the protection of others. How, how do we apply this? Are, are, are we just supposed to take this verse and, and kind of put parentheses around it and said, we'll come back to this in nine months. Are we supposed to just take it and throw it away out of the verse or other scriptures? Or, or is there uh, an application? Let me, let, let me touch just on a couple things and I'll, I'll make an application. Uh, this is going to be true no matter when we look at this. First of all, we need to be accountable. I think that's what it's saying. Let us not give up meeting together. Uh, we, we need to be accountable. First of all, we need to be accountable to ourselves. We as individuals for ourselves need to be accountable to do what we know is the right thing to do. Now, now, as I mentioned before, some of you know the right thing right now is to stay away from our time to, together. But, but, but let me just toss this out. This, this verse is speaking to those of us that gather and it's also speaking to those of us who aren't able to be be here we need to be accountable to ourselves, and and so what i think that means is we need to be accountable to, to to staying in touch however we can do it so so the reality is not only are we accountable to ourselves we're accountable to others uh if you have your bibles let me just touch on a couple verses these are verses that you you know and are aware of in uh in the book of acts chapter 2 verse 42 it says they devoted themselves to the apostles teaching 
to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to prayer. And then over in chapter 4, starting with verse 18, it says, Then they called them in again and commanded them not to speak or teach at all the name of Jesus. This right after the apostles had been arrested uh, for teaching about Jesus. But Peter and John replied, Judge for yourself whether it is right in God's sight to obey you rather than God, for we cannot help speaking about what we have seen and heard. After threats, they let them go. They could not decide how to punish him because all the people were praising God for what had happened. For the man who was miraculously healed was over 40 years old. Now catch verse 23. On their release, Peter and John went back to their own people and reported all that the chief priests and elders had said to them. They immediately went back for fellowship. Well, how do we build community how do we build community when when so many of us are watching from home? Let, let me let me suggest just a couple things. Let, let me say this. First of all, I, I don't have the I don't have a solid answer for that. Uh, I, I'm I'm blessed. I, I literally am blessed that I have to be here. It's not an option for me to stay at home. So so I get to be here. So so I enjoy even if our number is small. I enjoy getting to be with our church family even in a small setting. But but what do we do if we're having to stay at home? If, if we're here one Sunday but think we need to be away for the next two, what do we do? L- let me suggest a couple things that, that maybe will build community. If you can, and, and I'm speaking those of you that are here, but I'm also speaking mostly of those who are at home, try to watch the service at 10. Now, now I know you can watch it anytime you want. You can watch it tonight at 10 o'clock, and you can watch it tomorrow at 6 in the morning. You can watch it on your way to work. And, and if that is what works for you, then God bless you. I Just be a part of the service. We want you to do that. But, but can you hold some accountability? See, that's where it's, it's more of a challenge now than it ever was to, to hold yourself accountable. Can you watch at 10 o'clock? Can you join with us? So when, when someone here clicks on, the service and we see there's 25 or there's 35 or there's 45 people watching along. We know that, hey, 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 while there's 50 or 60 here, we know there's, there, there's a hundred at home watching. Can, can you watch at 10 o'clock? And can you do this? We haven't encouraged this, but, but I'm going to do it today. I'm going to do it for the next several weeks. Can, can you comment? Now I'm not, per, I, I don't comment on Facebook. I rarely put anything down. So, so I'm, uh, I, I'm not the best one to do this, but, can you comment? Can you let us know you're there? I know a lot of you do when you're at home. You say, hey, watching from home or we're driving uh, today or we're, we're visiting family. And, and I, but can we have more of you comment from home? That way when, when the sermon gets boring and some of you look at Facebook and scroll through the comments, you can say, hey, they're watching. Oh, wow, I didn't know they're watching. Wow, it's good to know they're watching. Can you comment from home? And and I don't know, I don't even know how this works. Can you reach out? See, we're, we're accountable to ourselves, but we're accountable to others. Uh, can somewhere in that process, maybe when you're watching and you're at home and you see someone else at home, can you send them a text or, or maybe comment and hold a conversation on the Facebook live feed? I don't care. Can you, can you touch base with someone else? And let them know you're there. See, see, that's really the second thing. I'm not going to talk about this much today because it really is a little harder for us to apply today. But, but we're approachable. We need to be approachable uh, to others. Uh, and, and let's look at this one last thought. Let us, let us. In the second part of verse 25, says this: Let us, let us heed others, but let us encourage one another. 
So don't give up meeting together as, as some do, but, but you have a responsibility. There's something you can do. So, so whether you're here or not here, let us encourage one another and all the more as we see the day approaching. Uh, the word heed means to pay attention, to take notice of, and it also means careful attention. Can we notice people? First lesson, First Thessalonians 4.18 says, Therefore encourage one another with these words, talking about the fact that Jesus is coming again. Chapter 5, verse 11 in First Thessalonians says, Therefore encourage one another and build each other up just as in fact you are doing. And in fact, we, we read early in Hebrews chapter 3, verse 13 says, But encourage one another daily as long as it is called today, so that none of you may be hardened by sinfuls, by sin's deceitfulness. See, we need to heed others, pay attention, take notice of, careful attention of other people. See, we need to see the saint in people. We need to see the saint. Whether, whether we're gathered together or, or, or separate, we need to see the saint. In other words, we need to point out the positive. Since, since we have access to God and since we know what his heart is and we're to be encouraging people to serve and to love. We're encouraged each other to good deeds. Let us see the good in people and point it out. Uh, I'm going to use Jared. Jared, you never should have said up front, uh, although I had this in my notes today. So uh, just about every time I talk to Jared, particularly on the phone, but he does this in person as well, just about every time I visit with Jared, the conversation will end and he will say these words just about every time. He will say, I appreciate you, brother. Now, I don't know if he really does or if he just says that. I, but, but, but I appreciate you, brother, saying that you appreciate me, brother. <laughs> it, it is encouraging to have someone point out the positive. See, it's easy for us to take for granted uh acts of service and acts of love. It's easy for us to take for granted uh, the person teaching the Sunday school class or leading the music or playing the piano or the drums or or singing or working in the nursery or serving at Caden's Closet or signing up to donate cookies, pies, hamburger. Uh, uh, but this text demands us, this text tells us to encourage the positive in people to encourage them as a saint. Can I, can I challenge each of you here today, um, and, and, and do this honestly? And if you can't do it honestly, don't do it at all. But can I encourage you today to say something encouraging to someone as as they walk out of the building today? Whether whether it's one of these guys or ladies coming up today to, to lead in music or if it's someone that's that's served behind the scenes or someone that's done can can I get you to say an encouraging word to someone or maybe it's someone that just their very presence here just the fact that they're here encouraged can can you offer a word of encouragement and again those of you at home your task is more daunting your your task is is a, a lot more of a challenge but can I encourage you at home? to do the very same thing. You're not off the hook here. You're still supposed to encourage one another. Can you send a text, a, a, a card, a, a note to someone? Let someone know that you appreciate what they're doing right. You appreciate the blessings that they are. 
See, we need to see the saints, so let us encourage one another, but we also need to see the struggle. We need to be in a position that we can see the pain that people are going through. Here's the problem. Sometimes it's hard to get close enough or we struggle to get close enough to see the struggle. See, now it's really going to be tough. It, it's a little bit easier when we're together, but but you have to get close to see the struggle. Uh, several years ago, Rena and I were in California visiting her mom. And uh, uh, I say several years ago because it was a period of my life when I was jogging uh, quite a bit, several miles a day. I, I don't do that anymore. But I was... I got up that morning to jog, and I'd always envisioned jogging on the beaches of Southern California. If you've ever jogged on a beach, it is not fun. Running in sand is just not any fun. So, so I was running the streets of Seal Beach, California, and I turned uh, from downtown, and I ran down the pier. The pier of Seal Beach goes out, and, and at the end of the pier is this restaurant, Ruby's, our, one of our favorite restaurants. And, and as I was running down the pier, getting closer to the end, I saw this I saw this sign. It was a small sign, and, and I couldn't quite make out what it what it said. I couldn't, I'm like, so I was going to turn around, but then I thought, no, i got to figure out what that sign says. So I kept running, and I was almost on top of it before I was able to read what it said. And it simply said, this small little sign, it said, caution, pier is slippery when wet. And I thought, duh, everyone knows that. And I stopped, turned around, and promptly slipped and fell down on the pier. <laughs> now, now, sometimes we've got to get close enough to see the pain. You've got to get close enough to see the struggle. But are we going to heed it? Are we going to pay attention? Are we going to notice? Are we going to be careful with it? See, we're called to, to help out. We're called to hold ourselves accountable. We're called to notice others, to heed others. Did you notice from this passage that none of this, none of these things require any special gifts? You don't have to be able to stand in front of people. You don't have to be able to sing a song. You don't have to be able to play an instrument. You don't have to be able to teach a class or be a leader. You just have to be willing. Would you bow with me? Father, we thank you this morning that you have granted us access and and when we have access father you have called us to be active lord help us particularly this morning be active in our encouragement to others to touch them to bless them to push them on to to greater things father we thank you that you trust us to be your representatives father use us then make our hearts willing in jesus name